Welcome to Literally Gagging. This is a podcast dedicated to those books which blow the cobwebs off your third eye and make you want to embrace Satan as your sexual lord and saviour. Halloween is truly coming, so if the thoughts of witches, cats and big back bats, ghosts and goblins too, going bump in the night, doesn't make you scream boo, then this is not the podcast for you. I'm sorry, that was hot trash. (laughs) My (laughs) My name is Molly. And as ever, I'm joined with my wonderful co-host, Hannah. How are you today, Hannah? I'm so much better after you doing that. That's definitely staying in. I'm good, thanks, babe. I am good. I am in Brighton now, which I wasn't last time we spoke. I'm in a little cupboard under the stairs. It's like a little pod loft. Loving life. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Are you locked down in Brighton or are you no, allowed it's to well go chill. to the pub? I don't know if it's because there's a lot more open space here so you can like just go on the beach and you're away from people but also like this bit of the country has just been generally a lot less badly hit than the north so it's proper chill here compared to where i was yeah i went down to see my parents a few weeks ago and my dad just keeps being like you dirty northerners can't keep your hands off each other you're in lockdown every other day up there aren't you (laughs) your dad's like stop bringing covid down here yeah Why are we still inviting you to visit? I just forced my way in. I needed to see the dog. I needed to give him lots of scratches. And what are you drinking this week? Today, I started off with... It's called Mixed by WKD. And it's actually MXD mixed and i thought it was gonna be like them doing a, an apple and elderflower gin your hopes might have been a little bit high there yeah it's apple and elderflower and gin flavored wkd jesus christ so- <laughs> i don't know what that yeah. means <laughs> i didn't know either until i tasted it is it nice well it tastes like wkd but like appley so, Lovely. you know me, I like a little cheeky WKD. Um, what have you got? I've got a whiskey and Coke for some reason. What? A whiskey? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen you drink whiskey before. <laughs> because we, in the move, unearthed, it must have been something that one of us got as a present or something, like a set mm. of whiskey miniatures. And we were like, there seems to be no point getting rid of them, we'll just drink them. And it's actually really, really nice. And it makes me wonder why I've not been drinking whiskey and Coke for my whole life because it's quite yeah, tasty whiskey's all right and would you like to tell everyone what we're doing this week oh i really fucking wouldn't i'm so sorry guys we're doing the witches of eastwick and honestly i think this might be the worst book we've ever read on this podcast and i know i've said that before but i didn't know this book existed yeah, i think for context obviously because this is our special halloween month and after the last episode which you will have heard two weeks ago we thought we should go for like a proper book but you know we can't love every book that we've read no because that would be really dull if we liked every we would enjoy ourselves far too much yeah <laughs> if we did a book we are that we liked already having week. an unreasonable amount of fun doing this so i think every now and then we have to throw a curveball in and it's not like the film i'm just gonna say this up front it is not like the film at all if you're like the film is excellent yeah and if you're like oh yeah i've seen the film you know susan sarandon Cher, and michelle pfeiffer all have sex with jack nicholson 
beautiful. Keep that in your mind. Just turn off now. Keep that in your mind. Don't read the book. Don't go into this because the book and the film are very different. The film is very different and as is so rarely the case much better they've taken the characters and just done its own thing with it and it's really good <laughs> whereas this is hard to read should we just get into it because there's nothing more that we can say maybe you've read it before and you want to hear us rant about it maybe you're as pissed off about this book as we are so i'll just get into it shall i Go for it. the book was written by john updike so john updike was born in 1932 in reading pennsylvania his mother had wanted to be a published author, which inspired him. He got a scholarship to Harvard and then studied fine art at Oxford um, with hopes of becoming a cartoonist. He wrote for the New York Times for a bit, but he's most famous for his rabbit novels, which follow the life of Harry Rabbit, Angus Storm, a man who peaks in high school and is trapped in a loveless marriage and with a boring job. Most of his stories focus on the life of white middle-class Americans and the marital unrest that happens within those relationships. The Guardian said this in his obituary, which I think says it all about him and means I don't have to be as mean as I would like to be um, because The Guardian have posthumously done it and they don't realise what they've done. It says... Undeniably white, heterosexual and Protestant during his lifetime, Updike carried the burden, the burden of being a writer who was not black, not female, not gay, not Jewish, decidedly not multicultural. He had a gift for being on the, quote, wrong side of issues about which there was liberal consensus. Updike supported the American intervention in Vietnam and doubted the wisdom of the government support for the arts. He wrote with passionate grace about the love of women, but found even elegant depictions of homosexuality not to his taste. Gay writers queued up to express their annoyance. With so much about him of the upper-class wasp, the reality of Updike's modest origins was forgotten. Jesus. So, so he was famously... <laughs> famous trash trash and i love that the guardian have been like oh this poor man being trash (laughs) he carried the burden of being a straight white man and therefore couldn't write couldn't write a decent book i mean could i know it's something that we talk about a lot on here but i would like to say that like some straight white men have written good books. John Updike just isn't one of them. And I love that they were like famously on the quote wrong side of liberal. <laughs> How can you be a writer who thinks that the government shouldn't support the arts? <laughs> the arts That's a I joke. Don't know. Because we hell. can't all get scholarships to Harvard, can we? We don't all go to high schools which promote yeah. scholarships to go to Harvard and we're not all accepted into Oxford University's fine art drawing programme. Well, we talk about diversity we don't talk about class diversity enough and that is like a massive thing yeah but completely. if you then elevate yourself to that level of like liberal elite and then go i'm not gonna be liberal elite though am i i'm just gonna be a fucking bigot. i'm just gonna be elite <laughs> not only was he a poet and an author but he was a literature and art critic which is ironic given how shite this book is and it's also ironic considering how much he apparently hated the arts. So Everything why else? He... Yeah. <laughs> why is he allowed? For sake. And he died of cancer in 2009, I think. Um, 
The Witch of Eastwick was published in 1984 and is Updike's view on 1980s feminism. Let that settle in. I've got a lot to say on that topic. There's a sequel called The Widows of Eastwick, which was published in 2008 and follows the women after they come back together again. The thing with this book, and we'll get to it at the end because it was mentioned in quite a lot of the Goodreads reviews as well, is I can see, because I fully believed as well, picking it up, knowing very little about it, I was like, oh my God, it's October, get me some... Get me some spooky. Divorced witches in like, you know, small town America. That sounds dreamy. And I can see how there are elements of this which people could see as being like female empowerment. The main feature of the witchcraft in this is that it blooms in women after they leave their husbands. Yeah. Like if they've been jilted or if their husbands died or whatever, then they come into their own as a witch, which I, on paper, I'm here for. Sounds great. It sounds fantastic. On actual paper in the book, not quite so good as it sounds according to google uh 65 of readers liked the book and i am not one a of lot them. of people with the reviews were like oh my god like john updick's writing is so beautiful and i was like his writing is dense and it is boring and i don't oh, i thought it was boring as i shit. don't want to have to skip between bits of dialogue like that take five pages to have a conversation because you're like describing the carpet in the room that they're in the thought that someone's having yeah yeah boring someone would start a conversation and then we would get this five pages of nonsense in the middle and then someone would respond so i'd have to go back and read what the original question was or what the person was saying because you couldn't it was just terrible and i definitely don't think as well and maybe this was again my expectations of it but i wanted proper and there were i mean there were little dashes of it of like spooky autumnal new england i don't know where it fucking is you know that kind Mm. of vibe almost like gilmore girls but spooky and i didn't get yeah i didn't get any of it shall we get into it shall we start going through it yeah we'll get into it and we're gonna preface all of this by saying we're probably gonna skim quite a lot of this because there's a lot of chat that's not important and there's i mean we'll get to the sex chat as well but like it's all just dense and hard to read so we're gonna try and lighten it up a little bit and we'll just tell you the bits that are relevant this is actually because this book has been so difficult to read this is the closest we've ever recorded to the episode coming out like (laughs) this is how much of a struggle yeah i was saying to my partner as well like i do partly feel i feel sort of bad for the book that it was the book i was reading while we were moving because i think any book would have been a difficult it's a difficult book to get through in that time period so we are gonna go over the three main characters which are alexandra aka Cher, jane aka susan sarandon and suki aka michelle pfeiffer we won't always talk about the film but also they all they are all looking banging in the film like yeah they look incredible would recommend and if i refer to alexandra as Cher, it's only because Cher is easier to say than alexandra So Alexandra is sort of, uh, she's the lead witch, she's the head witch because she's the oldest and she is a sculptor, she makes these things which she calls her boobies which are like sort of naked women, they've got their tits out, they're a sculpture and she's divorced her husband, she's got four kids but we learned that after they divorced her husband died of cancer 
And this becomes a really weird recurring theme through the book that she is constantly terrified she's dying of cancer. Yeah, it does become like a weird running theme through the book. And then we've got Jane. So she is musical. We don't really know a lot about her partner. All we know is that she plays music for local churches. She gives music lessons. She's a cellist. She also has kids. That's it. And then we've got Suki. Suki's the newest of the witches. Um, as in she only left her partner not so long ago. Her partner was super rich um, and she got all the kids. Of course, he didn't because men back then didn't. And she is a she runs a gossip column for the local newspaper in the town. And they all get together every Thursday and have a little drink and a catch up. And they're talking about a new gentleman who's moved into town. He's bought the big Lennox mansion. He's a pushy New Yorker. Uh, he has a lot of pianos, but he also has hairy hands. That's all we know. And it's, um, again, just for people who've seen the film, it's the Jack Nicholson character. And Jack, again, mm. Jack Nicholson's Jack really Nicholson good. Really plays good. very well, I think. It's like this very small town. They don't want outside influences. And he's bought this mansion. And it's like a scandal because he wants to like build on all the land around it. And everyone's worried about what's going to happen to the birds that live there or some the snowy egrets um, and it's this yeah. kind of idea of him being this like dark stranger from the city who's going to come and shake things up which he sort of does the thursday bev time sounded cute i was like i'm I here on board with this i like but i was it. also like i don't believe john updike has ever watched three women have a conversation because none of the interactions no. in this are realistic not at all and like i do enjoy the way however where she's like oh i want a martini she's like i've only got gin and she's like, okay, cool. Can you do me a slice of lime with it? A slice of like a twist of lemon. And she doesn't have lemon. And she's like, oh, she opened up her fridge and all she had in it was like half a packet of cream cheese and some crackers because that's all this one woman eats. And they're like, this woman only eats salty, nutty things and she doesn't have proper meals. But also she has children. They all have children. So what are your kids eating? Yeah, what are your kids eating? And so she has to drink her gin with a peach in it because that's all she has in the house. Um, I was like, pin, pin and peach, <laughs> gin and peach. Yeah, yeah I think what it works. What a works. combo. I'm here for it. That's the other thing as well, which I think makes this, possibly makes this feminism very questionable, is just mm. going to put this on the table now. All through this book, all of them have multiple children who they fully neglect. And they admit oh, that they neglect them. Just everything we're saying, bear in mind, there are at least three or four children in each of their houses waiting for their mum to get home at any given point. And um, we should say as well that although this book was written in the 80s, it's actually set in the 60s. So to an extent, child neglect was very normal. The level that they are doing was probably relatively normal for the 60s. Yeah, but it comes across proper bad it comes across yeah Um, and also because it's in the 60s and again this gets peppered in we probably won't get to it a lot there's a lot of questionable political things there's quite Mm. a few slurs that get used which is a shame but also like there's a lot of stuff about vietnam and people have various opinions on vietnam which aren't important because we all know it was wrong now so their opinions at the time weren't important so they have all met up and they've had this chat and alex has gone home and she's got this big issue with tomatoes. She's got shitloads of tomatoes. She doesn't know what to do with tomatoes. Everyone's got a tomato sauce from her. And we sort of get into the weird way that Updike writes women. 
The crooked little tomato branches, pulpy and pale, as if made of cheap green paper, broke under the weight of much fruit. There was something frantic in such fertility, a crying out like that of children frantic to please. Of plants, tomatoes seemed to be the most human, eager and fragile and prone to rot. Picking the watery orange-red orbs, Alexandra felt she was cupping a giant lover's testicles in her hand. What? Yeah, and that's like there's a lot. <laughs> what? This is just a taste of what we're gonna get. There's like that's a lot of tomato chat for the first like hundred pages of a novel. Not even hundred pages. We were in the first ten pages of this book, and she's like, "Oh yes, these tomatoes remind me of my lover's testicles." Yeah, and I think as well because obviously I know that witches do a lot of like herbs and all this kind of stuff but they don't do mm. any of that in the book like she has a garden and they every now and then go do you remember when we used to go and get herbs we don't do that anymore and i'm like cool well how are you doing your witchcraft then yeah. i don't understand i feel like the witchcraft is very much like a means to an end yeah it isn't that important really it's not like i don't know it's just not done in the way that i thought it was going to be done in the film it's very much like they don't know if they're yeah. witches it's just that these powers happen to come around them. In the book, like, the first line is, like, the three witches did this together. So they know that they're witches. They know that they have powers. Yeah. How they harness them is very different. But So we've met the three characters. They're chatting about this guy who's come. They've had the little Thursday Babs cute fun times. And also we learn, and we'll get more into this later, they're all fucking everyone there's a lot of adultery yeah and this will become a thing where they get a bit of a reputation for being like these divorced women who go around fucking everyone else's husbands Cher's character does say that it's like playing monopoly being a married woman in a small town that eventually you'll all land on the same yeah square which <laughs> again i i have no experience of being a, a married a divorced woman in a small town but i think that's interesting because one of the things which we will find is there's a lot of sex that happens in this book a lot of people have sex with a mm. lot of people it's just written so densely that you can't even tell which is mental but they don't go into detail on it and i was thinking oh maybe it's of its time that's why they're not going into detail but i was like fuck this jilly cooper and jackie collins were writing around this time spicy. and their books are spicy yeah. this is just yeah. White Protestant man nonsense. That's it. Um, so the next thing that happens is they're at this chamber concert thing that Jane is playing mm. the cello at. And this is where we're introduced to the dark, mysterious stranger from the city. Um, his name is Daryl Van Horn. And he's presented as being like very slimy, kind of repulsive in a way, but very charming and like charismatic, but in like a gross way. Yeah. So he's talking to Alexandra about her little statues, her little sculptures that she makes, and she sells them in like a gift shop in town. And he's like, Oh, you're the one who makes the sculptures. I liked them, so I bought all of them that were in the all shop. Of them. And I liked as well that her thought process was that's a weird thing to do and then was like cool so that means i'm gonna have to make loads more that i hadn't like you've upped my workload for the sake of you showing she off. describes it it says with some relief alexandra decided she quite disliked this man he was pushy coarse and a blabbermouth his buying her out at the hungry sheep felt like a rape and she would have to run another batch through the kiln now earlier than she had planned and just his throwing around very casually of rape ah this is something stephen king does as well oh really and stephen king who i will say 
I've really enjoyed All the King that I've read. Like, he is a fucking good mm. storyteller. I will give him that. But he does that. Have you seen the film Misery? No, I haven't. I know what the story's generally Amazing about. Amazing film. Definitely watch it. Very good. Because I watched the film, I was like, oh, this film's really good. I want to see how, because it's so tense. Like, it's hard to watch because it's like, oh, really tense. Mm. So, like, I want to see how this is done in a book. So, I read the book last October for Halloween. And I think this is like a thing that maybe at the time, particularly in the 80s, that male authors did just to mean someone felt a bit violated. Okay. It was like quite, it was um because the man's in the car crash and then the Kathy Bates character's giving him CPR. Yeah. And he describes it as her like raping his mouth. And I was like, no, no. And I think maybe it's just like, was it the 80s when men discovered what rape was and they thought that's 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 bad that will start using that one this is this is tense we should put this in Mm. books so not about that white men writing about things being like rape they're not they're probably not they don't know about so after they've had that little chat and she's a bit like he's slightly repulsive Jane comes up and she's been doing the like concert and he starts criticizing Jane because he was a child piano prodigy and Jane gets like really pissed off about it and they're like and I practiced how fucking dare you but he's like come to my mansion with my many pianos and we can do music together there's a lot of weird music chat in this as well oh like, my god really so, intense pages music and chat. pages of music chat so because the main thing is basically he's just going around this party flirting with everyone that's like the vibe and everyone's like a little bit grossed out by it but also sort of into it and it's weird again as much as we're trying to talk about the sex on this one because it's halloween i'm trying to talk about the spoopiness of it Cher's character can see auras when she's menstruating she can see people's color of auras if any of our uh, listeners who menstruate can see auras i'd love to know what color my aura is without a buzzfeed quiz telling me i've always wanted to know that but i'm like not willing to pay someone to tell me because it seems like well, a waste no, of it's money. probably not true as well <laughs> exactly yeah so if it was someone if someone i knew was witchy and it was someone i trusted and i was like you know what like i do believe that you believe this then but i'm not gonna pay someone the main thing as well which i think is not very feminist in this is every time they do magic it is to hurt somebody yeah they never do it to help people and normally another woman in the film it's the newspaper man's wife in this it's just a generic old lady who lives in the town and was actually being quite nice to alex being like oh you should definitely come to their equivalent of the women's institute and we've got a great powerpoint presentation on the rugs of arabia or something like that rugs of arabia if you wanted to do an arabic lesbian one you can have that title for free um Um, but yeah she's like you're an artist we're doing this thing about crafting or whatever you should come and then Alex's like fuck this Alex's just annoyed and so she like makes her pearl necklace break and then the old lady falls over on the pearls and breaks a hip well because Alex also ties her shoes together with magic so this poor old lady has no like even if she'd just done the shoes if she'd just done the pearls the old lady probably would have gone down but the two uh, 
Uh, this old lady's having some like absolute slapstick yeah. injuries at Alex's hands for basically no reason, which I didn't like. I was like, I don't think that's a fair representation of how magic should be used. But then we get a bit more about how they're all fucking everybody. Yeah. And Alex also has a bit of a falling out with Daryl Van Horn because he's chatting shit about like the contractors working on his house. And obviously it's a small town, don't be chatting shit about anybody. But um, the man doing up his house is the person that Alex is banging so she's like don't be a dick about him he's quite a nice guy and what we know about him his name's joe he's italian he's got like a shitload of kids he's apparently quite small and quite bald and so he wears wears a hat but like his fashion sense is always on point and he's very traditional and he keeps asking alex to run away with her and his and the kids and she's like sweetie you're never gonna do that she's like snap Snap out of it it. (laughs) and part of the reason that she feels like she's doing him a favor because his wife is clearly super fertile yeah so he's like using some of his sperm on her with her like iud rather than having to go home to his super fertile italian wife and his hundreds of children catholic catholic is the big one in this because she won't use any form of contraception because she's catholic and this is probably the only bit of actual sex scene that we get an hour later gazing abstracted past the furry bare shoulder with its touching sour sweet smell like a baby's pate of joe marino as he with more rigor than inspiration pumped away at her while her bed groaned and swayed beneath the unaccustomed double weight alexandra had a vision so she's having a vision of the house and then he's like focus He snarled in her ear and came helplessly, excited by his own anger. His bare, furry body, the work-hardened muscles gone slightly punky with prosperity, heaving once, twice, and then the third time, ending in a little shiver like a car with a carbon build-up shuddering after the ignition had been turned off. That was it, guys. (laughs) Okay, so can we just check, like, are we wrong? Is that sexy? (laughs) Because I don't think (laughs) End of the podcast, that's the only sex bit. Goodbye. (laughs) And this is very much the level we're talking. Like, there was some sex happening there, but but it got lost in amongst all the other shit and it wasn't very sexy. And it goes on and she doesn't... She's kind of distracted and she's thinking about how fat she is. And it turns out that Joe calls her his vaca, which I've slated the speech on that. But that is Italian for cow. And he likes her with a bit of meat on her. And there's so much weight chat in this as well. Like, there's so much of Alex feeling like she's too fat. But also, there's a lot of her looking at her friends and describing their appearance, but, like, not in a very complimentary way. Yeah. Like, if I was to look at my friends, just generally, because all my friends are beautiful angels and can do no wrong and they're all fit as hell. Uh, Hannah, you are like that drunk girl in the toilet who tells you that she's fantastic but you're actually sober and at work. Like, that is you as a person. literally me. Um, If anyone needs a hype man, (laughs) honestly, like, I'm obsessed with all of my friends. But, like, they don't do that in this book. It's very much Alexandra is like, I'm too fat, but also looks at her friends and is like, well, she's got a face a bit like a monkey Mm. and her nose is a bit podgy and i'm like fuck off that's not that isn't how women look at each other no it's a terrible depiction of women that's the main thing we're saying then whilst they're having sex because she's still sort of on her period she's on the trail end of it because she didn't come because she was too busy having this vision she says to him 
why don't you go down on me? He's a bit like, no, because you're on the end of your period and that's disgusting. So I won't do it. And she's like, but there's barely like, you know, on the last days of your period, there's just sometimes that brown spotting as everything leaves. Which I don't think you'd even notice. Like, no. You see that on like a pad or like on your pants. I don't think it would be an issue. It was fine enough that he would put his penis in it. So why not? Man up and put your mouth there as well. So that happens. That happens. Um, <laughs> and then the next thing that happens is fine. Um, Suki is the journalist and she's been assigned to go and do an article about the new man in like the old house in the whatever and she writes this article and alex is like well gel because it turns out jane's gone round to do some piano and cello business suki's done this interview with him and alex is like really really pissed off that they've all they've all been to his gaff even though like she had that astral projection vision of her there but like that's not that's enough so suki does a spell to bring them together. This is the only time magic is used to not to specifically hurt yeah. somebody. She like has a thing that represents Alex and a thing that represents Daryl and she like ties them together. Alex is walking her dog on the beach or going somewhere with her dog and Daryl's there with his dog and he's like, come to my house for a bit. And she's like, I probably shouldn't. They keep being like, oh, I shouldn't because I've got my kids at home. And it's like, that's not going to stop you. Yeah. She leaves the dog in the car and goes to his big house. There's so much description of the big house and his modern art collection no one gives a shit about he's like a scientist who's trying to invent solar panel paint but he doesn't do that at any point it's a lot of description of him giving her a tour of the big house and saying a load of stuff about the difference between men and women it's like really shit banter between the two of them i've got some of it here and he they're talking about their favorite seasons he says I can tell. Some people find fall depressing. Others hate spring. I've always been a spring person myself. All that growth. You can feel nature groaning, the old bitch. She doesn't want to do it again. Not again. No, anything but that. But she has to. It's fucking torture rack. All that budding and pushing and the sap in the tree trunks, the weeds and the insects getting set to fight it out once again. The seeds trying to remember how the hell DNA is supposed to go to all. All that competition just for a bit of nitrogen. Christ, it's cruel. Maybe I'm too sensitive. I bet you revel in it women aren't that sensitive to things like that and she just nods and she's like fine and he says women take pain in their stride pretty much me i can't stand it i can't even bring myself to swat a housefly the poor thing will be dead in a couple of days anyway and she's just like i like may yeah (laughs) i like may may is nice there's a lot of like what feels like john updike like soapbox moments where daryl will just go off on a tangent about something and you're like okay cool this is four pages of just white man rambling which isn't relevant to the plot just reading it now so they're like driving up to the house and they see the tennis courts and he's like you should come up for a game sometime and she's like me no i'm not in shape and he's like then get in shape he said move around get rid of that flub hell 38 is young she's like oh my god he knows my age but also Get rid of that flub. He just called you fat. <laughs> to your face and you're fine with that. Yeah. You use the word flub and frighten of you and you're like, okay, babe, thanks. So then he's like, do you want to come and see my bedroom? And she's like, no. And he's like, go on then. And she's like, I am going to leave now. But because it's been raining, like there's... Flooded. Her car is like cut off from the house. And he's like, oh, what a shame. I guess you'll have to stay here. And she's like, absolutely not. And gets her trousers off and wades through like a lake to get back to her dog in the car. And there's pages and pages of how cold it is. And the one thing I did like 
or I don't care, but I thought you'd appreciate, was when she was like, maybe this is my punishment for leaving my dog in the car. I think and it's I was fair. Like, it definitely because is. her doggo is called Cole, and he's a really good Labrador, and he's her best friend through this whole thing, and he just wants a nice little life of running on the beach, getting snuggles, and Labradors love food. And what does he have to settle for is this woman who kills the squirrels in the garden for him, so he can't even go and balk at the squirrels. She just looks at a squirrel and goes, morte, 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 and it dies. She's got no beef against that squirrel. She's just pissed off that squirrel exists. But, like, Cole might enjoy chasing squirrels. What about Cole? Justice for Cole. Justice for Cole. Gets her cacks off, and there's a whole thing of her being like, what pants am I wearing? Are they good? Are they good pants? Are they sexy pants? And they're not good pants. And she's like, that's good. I don't want him to see me in good pants. They're like beige pants. You know, coming off your period beige pants, the sort of... Yeah. And I thought that was the most realistic thing about a woman John Updike's ever written. 100%. She wades through back to Cole, goes home, whatever. They've all been to the house. Everyone's yeah. happy. And whilst this is all sort of going on, Suki is giving her story to her editor and uh, he like makes a crack because she's sleeping with the priest. But he's also, like, sad about his wife because his wife is... She's a bit of a social justice warrior before social justice warriors existed. She's like, everything is terrible and they're selling Playboy in the newsagents and the world is trash and she's trying to fix it, but in, like, a really puritanical way. Yeah, not in, like, trans people deserve rights kind of way. In, like, a very middle-class white woman kind of way. Yeah, she's a bit of a Not an actual revolutionary. (laughs) Suki, like, says something and it's really weird and she's like, I just want to nurture him. I just want to take off my top. And Suki's like, my nipples are getting hard just thinking about... Because he's so sad. Look at him being all sad. Yeah, I was like, well, I don't think I'd see a sad, depressed man who doesn't love his wife and think, do you know what's going to fix this? My nipples. Yeah, that was a whole... <laughs> was a horrible bit. That was a whole choice. So he's built... Daryl Van Horn, Jack Nicholson, has built a tennis court and invites all of them to go and play tennis with him and so they all go and it's kind of the first time that all four of them are together as a group yeah and this will kind of set up the dynamic going forwards is they're all playing tennis and they're being like a bit cheeky and whenever someone tries to serve they like turn their ball into like a bat or like an egg or whatever and it's like which bat like they freeze someone on the spot or something and they can't move and it's a the, the film does it a lot better than the book does. They play spooky tennis and then they go and get in his, his hot big tub. old hot tub. But they always refer to it as taking their bath. Yeah. And as Molly can confirm, the one time that we've been in a hot tub, the hot tub broke and it stopped being a hot tub and just started being five <laughs> people in a bath together. Whereas in this book, that seems to be what they want, whereas that wasn't what we wanted. But they all get naked, they all get in the hot tub, and there's a lot of Alexandra. And this is interesting and not very well written at all. Explored. Um, there's a lot of Alexandra, like, defo-eyeing up all her friends and talking about, like, their bodies. And partly it's like she likes their bodies because she th- wants hers to be like that. Yeah. But also she defo wants to bang her all friends. Which is absolutely fine, but, but just it's just say really it. badly represented. So basically what happens next is they all get stoned and have an orgy in a hot tub. And I wish I could read you some of but it, we can't. but it's unreadable. There's nothing there. <laughs> like, there is there nothing, is nothing there. to say. Um, well, because Suki, is it Suki? One of them, one of them has to go and check on all of their kids. Yeah, Suki goes and checks on all their kids because it's Halloween 
as it turns out. They don't tell you this at the beginning of the tennis match. They tell you this halfway through the hot tub. And you're like, oh, of course it makes sense that three witches and the devil are boiling together on Halloween. But we didn't bother to mention that, yeah. (laughs) But they're all stoned and they're all like feeling each other up in the hot tub and then they're on like a black mattress Mm. on the black velour mattress van horner provided the three women played with him together using the parts of his body as a vocabulary with which to speak to one another he showed supernatural control and when he did come his semen all agreed later was marvelously cold gross Gross. really gross can you imagine cold semen It's like Siemens already like gross enough as it is, sticky and gross. Probably the one thing going for it is that it's body temperature. <laughs> like it's not like a shot. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, you're not like Ooh. it's not like a big temperature <laughs> shot. Exactly, devil penis. But is he the devil? We don't actually know. It's never... In the film, again, in the film, he's definitely the devil. In this book, he's not. He's not. But also, again, the thing with, like, Alex Fancy and all her mates, but also all of the sex from here on, pretty much, is, like, three divorced women... Touching each other's boobs. All they do is touch each other's boobs and then get off with a man. Like, they don't actually do anything to each other, it seems. It's a lot of, like caressing and touching and then we're going to put all our attention onto the one man in the room it's very wish fulfillment and weird because they could have continued being gay together after he'd left or they could have he could have like awakened this in yeah. them and then they were like oh we can still do our thursday nights you Thanks, don't have mate. to come a bit but then i guess he's got the hot tub and the mansion which and the weed but then alex's son grows weed in the back garden so i don't know so whilst this is all happening Gossip's all about the town, about their little sexcapades. And we learned that the priest that Suki was banging at the beginning has run off with an 18-year-old trailer trash hippie to join the quote-unquote the movement. I'm assuming this is the hippie movement. Like the anti-war vibes, yeah. And they're like, oh, should we befriend this woman? Because we are three women who have lost our husbands and that's when our magic started. Should we bring her into her coven? And they're like, nah, fuck that. She's a bitch. And then, because Suki's priest boyfriends run away, she starts banging her sad editor. And basically, his again, his wife's a bit of a Puritan and he's very sad and he drinks a lot. And so she base, essentially takes pity on him. And again, there's like a really, really long thing, which I think is that it is yeah. them having sex, but it's not graphic particularly so at all. So she's a bit like, because he's a lot older. She's in the bathroom whilst he's in the bedroom getting ready for them to bang. And the bathroom door doesn't close fully, like it's non-sweet. So she can actually see everything that he's doing and he's like taking his teeth taking out his and teeth putting out. them in his pocket so that she won't notice that he's got dentures it says suki sat with her lovely oval knees together and her breath held since girlhood she'd like to spy old men with this other race interwoven with hers so full of bravado and dirty tough talk but such babies really as they proved whenever you gave them your breast to suck or opened your crotch for them to go down on the way they burrowed in there and wanted to crawl back in she liked to sit just as she was only on a chair and spread her legs so her bush felt all big and the curls of its glittery and let them just lap and kiss and eat hair pie a boy she used to know in new york state called it and that was as close as we got to something sexy and then they used the term hair pie and it like absolutely got lost. absolute turn off they start 
canoodling. She stroked the hair on his skull with its long bump of intelligence. His hair was thinning, how fine it was, as if every hair truly had been numbered. His tongue began to flick at her nipple, rosy and erect. She caressed the other, rolling it between the thumb and forefinger to arouse herself. His sadness had been cast into her, and she could not quite shake it. His climax, though he was slow to come in that delicious way of older men, left her own demon unsatisfied. She needed more of him, though now he wanted to sleep. Suki asked, do you feel guilty towards your partner being with me this way? <laughs> uh, you yeah. just call me, I'm not ready to go, but do you feel guilty? <laughs> I'm pretty sure the first rule of having an affair is you don't speak about that person's partner. You don't immediately ask him <laughs> if he feels bad on his so wife weird. that he just bangs you. But you should feel bad on his wife because they do a hex on her whereby they like get a jar and they're like, this jar represents Felicia. Felicia is her name. I'm really sorry. I'm just going to have to do this because her name is Felicia from Endubs. And they go, my name's Felicia. (laughs) And what? No, get the fool off my baby. That was for you, Erica, if you still listen to this. And they start putting shit in it, which then comes out of her mouth. So she's, like, coughing up feathers and bits of gravel and thumbtacks and all this kind of shit. Obviously, he's like, I'm going completely insane. And he doesn't care. It says her breast smells like a chicken coop. Yeah. He does not give a shit. No, not one bit. He gets so annoyed that she is coughing up shit against her will that he kills her with a poker and it says later on in the book that her face was unrecognizable that is how badly he has beaten her and i guess that's years of pent-up trauma and like this is what happens when you don't communicate with your partners is that you beat them to death with a poker it's not really a good enough excuse is it no and then he kills himself and again there's a lot about that but it's not sexy so we're just gonna we'll skip ahead so because mr editor man has killed his wife and himself his kids need to come into town to take care of business he's got a daughter called jenny who we learn does x-rays in chicago she wants to become what and they describe it in the book as one of these female doctors (laughs) female doctors (laughs) silly lady The son, Chris, is um, a theatre type. He travels between LA and New York. It doesn't sound like he's very successful doing the theatres and Rishi might be right in that he might have to retrain and do something else. He should just go get a proper job. He should go get a real job. So they turn up and Suki feels really guilty about, obviously, she feels like she was a catalyst for this murder-suicide. So she takes the daughter for coffee at the diner and then... Is like, oh, well, I have a friend up at the mansion who is a scientist of some kind. And you do some sort of science. Do science together. And so she invites Jenny and Chris to come and play tennis with them. So it's more spooky tennis times. But what Suki gets from this one... I mean, this one conversation she has with this woman, she's like, oh my gosh, she's such a virgin. Yeah. Like, trust. And the other women are, like, a bit jealous that this other woman is here. And Suki's like, no, mate, it's fine. She's a total virgin. It'll be fine. Jenny seems like a nice nice person. She's just a nice girl. They're doing tennis, and Suki's a bit embarrassed that it's, like, more spooky tennis than turning the ball. Yeah. 
yeah. it. And Suki's like, we shouldn't be doing this in front of the new girl. And she's like, oh no, it's fine. The priest's ex told me that you're all witches. But because the women are all playing tennis, Daryl and the brother... Chris are like in the library reading comic books or something yeah. and like leaving the women to the tennis and then they're like oh we'll all go and have our bath and Alexandra's like I don't think he's going to join us today because you've brought these new people in you've like ruined the dynamic essentially the feng shui of it is all off for the orgy so they just sort of do the orgy without him a little bit Jenny becomes like an integral part of this where it in the because she's younger and like pretty or whatever Mm. they're like oh this like new young woman again there's a lot of boob caressing and not a great deal else which i don't think is a very good orgy but fine i'll just read a bit of it out and because there's one bit in it i think it's quite good alexandra says women must stop serving everybody and then getting even psychologically which is something (laughs) i know it's really sexist but does happen in my family quite a lot like the psychological tricks my granny would play are just unreal (laughs) i I was like oh so you like my family (laughs) because all the way through this there's a lot of just like weird gender stuff and like the differences between men and women and all, all this kind of stuff but they're touching so jenny goes oh that does feel good jenny said it's therapy Close the roof again. I want to feel closey. And shut off the fucking Schubert. Suppose Daryl comes in with that hideous kid. Christopher, let them. Mm, you're strong. My art is, it gives me muscles. I fin unshut me fingernails like. Lexa, how much tequila is in your tea? How late does the supermarket stay open in Old Wick? I have no idea. And it's this sort of like quick Gilmore Girls. It's really weird because clearly you get the sense that they are like there is some like touching and caressing going on but this is the only point in the book where you just get dialogue and nothing yeah, else and nothing else and then there's a whole bit slightly later on where they are all again kind of touching each other and it says that alexandra loved being oiled by jennifer um while they're like lying on the black cushions and the black mattresses which is weird is weird she oils each witch easing the transforming oils into the frowning creases across the bulges and rubbing whatever and like the backs of my thighs just slowly along the backs incredibly slowly and use your fingernails don't be afraid of the insides of the thighs the backs of the knees are wonderful and they're like oh we're gonna wear her out with all this massaging us and she's like oh no i much prefer doing it than don't worry about me like don't don't think you have to do anything for me and they're like oh okay then and just crack on and like apparently jennifer has a third nipple it says just under your pretty boob like a tiny pink snout as dark as the room it was it did not seem strange that this could be seen for the pupils of the four of them had expanded as if to overflow their gray hazel brown and blue irises one which pinched jennifer's false teeth and asked feel anything no good feel any shame another asked no good pronounced the third isn't she good she is just think float i feel like i'm flying so do we all the time we're right with you it's killing i love being a woman really suki said you might as well jane said dryly i mean it's not just propaganda suki insisted my baby alexa was saying oh escape jenny's lips gentle gentler this is paradise. So again, clearly something interesting is happening and it's the only time he's not bothered to describe it to <laughs> I us. Know. In, All the and 
anatomic detail of like what the sky's doing and shit. I don't Crazy. give a shit about the snowy egrets and where they live and what their habitat looks like. I want to know is why she's got a third nipple. And who's made her fly? These are the facts I need to know about. So this becomes their new routine is that Jenny and Chris are now in the gang which ultimately is their like big downfall the three of them kind of start feeling a little bit like on the outs with it because when chris and jenny's dead parents house gets sold because they've come back to town to sell the house the house gets sold so then they move in to the mansion with daryl and all the others are like oh great so she she lives with him now and we're still all at home yeah not looking after our kids the witches are like oh my god but he still loves us right doesn't he this is just a we're still his favorites yeah because we were here first we still love him and turns out no because he marries her behind everyone's backs and then invites them for bevs and is like oh my god guys guess what we're married and they're like what it's Easter Sunday when he invites them for Bev's as well. So there's all these weird, like, time markers on dates. As we said, it's Halloween, it's Easter Sunday. The passage of time is just really weird. Like, I have no concept of how long this book no. is. Calendar-wise, I don't really care. I know. The witches are, like, well pissed off that they got married because it seemed like it wasn't coming and it just didn't feel right. So they all get drunk go back to their usual Thursday stuff and decide to hex the poor woman. Jane astral projects and flies to the house and gets, like, hair from her hairbrush and, like, a Kleenex and leg hair out the bath and stuff. The pubes around the bathtub and the tissues... And I think she does actually find some of her menstrual blood. But while she's also, like, there, it turns out... oh. A really vague other tangent is oh, that yeah. the priest who left to join the anti-war movement blows himself up in a makeshift bomb factory. Um, so his hippie girlfriend comes back to town. And then hippie girlfriend, the lady who bought the dead man's house and the priest's ex all form their own, like... Coven. Jilted ladies' coven yeah. or some shit. And they are all at the mansion having a party with the newlyweds. So they're like, we're going to hex this bitch up. And they get all her bits and they burn them and then they mix the ashes with wax and then Alex makes a little... One of her little sculptures with it and they stick loads of pins and shit in it. And they're all very much like, you should die as they're saying this. They're like poking pins through really the heart it, yeah. and they're like... Alex is like, you all have to say it with conviction. You can't just half-ass this. You need to know that this is the real We're doing shit. This for real, yeah. And again, this would have been fascinating to read if it wasn't ten pages long. And also, half if I believe that John Dyke knew anything about making a voodoo doll, yeah, or how they knew how to do this, and and what is like the moral stance between doing a voodoo doll and whatever when i googled one of his previous spells it was a real one okay so i don't know if he has googled what real spells are we didn't google it in the 80s but he's done something (laughs) (laughs) so they do a spell they hacks her and then she gets cancer yeah pretty much and they're like we don't know if that was us or if she was gonna get it's just dna it's just genetics and then Daryl Van Horn does a really weird, like, secular sermon about science, which is long and useless, and I don't know and what the no point one gives a of shit about was. 
but this is one of the points where they see the the three the new coven because she's like there's a thing called like the cone of power which is when the witches are together and she's like oh you can see it like if like us witches can like fucking see their like new witch and i think this new coven are becoming stronger than the old coven of our traditional witches and then Alex feels guilty about the voodoo doll and tries to like get rid of it by throwing it in like a bog and that doesn't work. Jenny then dies of this cancer, but she was pregnant, which is a really weird fact he decided to put in there. I don't think it needed it, but he goes down that route anyway. Yeah. And then we get that like, you know, like at the end of a film where they do the like freeze frame ending and put like yellow text on the screen, which yeah. is like, what happened next? And it's like high school teenager films, they tend to do like, Jack yeah. went off to be quarterback for Notre Dame. It's like at the end of Legally Blonde, basically. Yeah. They do that where they go like, each of the witches magics themselves a new partner. They all summon different husbands that suit their different needs. And... Daryl, in his little text, Daryl, it turns out, was having an affair with Chris, Jenny's brother, the whole time, and runs off with Chris. They go to New York together, and that's the end of them. Because Daryl then gets Jenny's part of the inheritance, and now he has Chris's, which he needs Mm -hmm. the money for. And the witches are like, oh, dang, did he make us do this? Did Daryl put a spell on us to make us kill Jenny? Yeah, they were like, oh, when we killed Jenny, we were actually doing exactly what he wanted us to do. And this is really confusing. And then, like, literally, that's the end of the book. Um, Yeah. And then this is really confusing because in the film, it's very much played that Jack Nicholson is the devil Mm. and he awakens the witchcraft in these three women. And that's a whole thing. But in this... They are witches. He has, like, supernatural, cold, scaly cum. But other than that, there's nothing... But because... He's just a bit of a sleaze. In the film as well, they summon him. They're all sat around having a martini going, oh, he's got to be tall and he's got to be strong and he's got to be fresh from the fight. We need a hero. Yeah, like a tall, dark, handsome stranger. And then suddenly he arrives and yeah. like, oh shit. But in this, I was waiting the whole book for him to be the devil. Mm. And then I also super, super hate that I was waiting for that. And at the end, it turns out he's gay and runs off with this man. And I'm like, oh, is that the devil now? Great, cool, thanks. Well, John. as we've learned that John Updike doesn't like anything to do with homosexuality. Mm. In his mind, maybe that is the devil. I'm not here to get into philosophise about this book because I think I've had too many wines and I'm too shouty now. I've given it enough of my time. Literally, that is the end. I wish I could say that there was something more, but there isn't. Do you want to ask the big question or do you think our our thoughts have been made I'm not going to. I'm not going to ask how wet you got because I know you didn't. And if you did, we are no longer friends. We're not going to (laughs) waste anyone's time by pretending pretending that this book was actually like... Because the thing is, I feel like I have a lot of opinions on it, on the witchiness and Mm. the feminism. That is all interesting to me, but it was sold to me as being sensual and I don't believe that it was. There is no sex. I'm going to stand on the side of it's not a feminist book. I have a lot of other people's thoughts on this from the Goodreads section. Oh, okay. Because... As people do on Goodreads, this was another one that got people het up, like a lot of people had opinions. 
generally around the three star mark most of those were people who said they quite liked the writing but didn't enjoy the plot i don't agree with those people because i didn't even like the writing a lady called ellen has given it one star and said i'm surprised by all the reviews of this book that speak of his ability to get and fully understand women because that to me was the most lacking part of this novel there is not one redeemable female character all of them are vapid and cruel and indifferent and blah 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 i'm not being prudish i'm not suggesting that every character should be a paradigm of female virtue but what is he trying to say about women <laughs> by making them like this which i think is a good question yeah and then she finishes the review by saying presumably this is all part of updike's social commentary on something but what exactly that is is unclear to me <laughs> which i agree with I and agree then with. i'm gonna finish off with another one which is a guy called mark who gave it three stars who really went in went really right come on mark show it to me okay Man, this dude Updike sure can drive a truck. Less endowed guys often like to drive around in the biggest trucks they can find, making up for that lack, yet unaware of the implications of their too large vehicles. This guy Updike drives his truck called the Witches of Eastwick, kitted out with the biggest paragraphs and the longest sentences, musing on whatever the fuck he feels like musing on, his rippling brain proudly on display with no trimming or manscaping. So what does this all say about him? Is he compensating like all these guys with their two large kitted out trucks? I quite like that as an analogy. What did Amazon think? People liked it on Amazon. Well, I'm disgusted with them. So I'm going to read this one person's. Laura, written in 2015. She just went, this is literature. No. Love this book. Fun, smart, interesting. There are so many books out there from people that think they can write. And then you read this book and realise you've been reading crappy literature. This is literature. Love his prose. Love how he uses language. And of course, this book is so much better than the movie. Get stuffed, love. (laughs) No, don't agree. Sorry, I really, I cannot. So like only 10% of people gave it one star, but 50% of people gave it five stars on Amazon. I feel like I shouldn't read out Richards from 2014, just went, why? Lots of selfish, silly women ignoring their kids and worrying about their own lives and how they get what they want behind the backs of their so-called friends. I had to skip whole chunks of it as it was drivel. The only interesting thing about this book was the devil character and his love of modern art. So I'm going to skip across to Mrs. L. Bishop, who just put disappointed. Wish I had trusted the one stars. Ugh, what a load of pretentious, overblown, showy, offy prattle. By page two, I knew I had wasted my money. I hate wasting money. This book... Don't we all love? This was a book I had wanted for ages. I kept reading and my mind kept wondering. And when I managed to stop it from wondering, I had to make it work really hard to figure out what point was actually being made. Reading should be a pleasure. For me, this was not. I gave up very quickly. Life is too short and with too many other books to try. My first and last foray into John Updike's writing. And you know what? Mrs. L. Bishop, I'm with you, babe. With you. Absolutely. So if you have read this book... (laughs) I'm so sorry if you have. Please let us know if we are completely off the mark and if we've missed some, like, amazing feminist tangent or if we're wrong about the writing or whatever. But I think it's just, like, not what it was sold to me as, which was sexy divorcees being witches. All of those things sounds great and not what I got. They tried to make a TV show called Eastwick off the back of this. So The Witches of Eastwick has not only been made into a film, it's been made into a play. It was in Broadway for a bit and then they made a TV show just called Eastwick where they tried to reboot it. So there was something behind this idea of three divorcee women living their best life. 
if anyone's written any Witches of Eastwick fan fiction, oh, I would yeah. want to read it because I think that's probably better. There is say, there is something in these characters, mm. these three creative women who have got a new lease on life, maybe yeah. later on in life, having got rid of their husbands. It's yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. But if you've read it, please let us know. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. We are at LitGagPod. On Instagram, we are at LiterallyGaggingPod. If you search it on Facebook, you'll find it. And we are LiterallyGaggingPod at gmail.com. And please remember to rate, review and subscribe. That's how we know that you guys are enjoying it. If people are going back into the office, have a chat with your colleagues. Maybe Sharon in finance will enjoy this. Maybe Sue in HR, this is her fucking cup of tea and you don't even know let her know we exist spread the word spread the love i hope you all have a spooky very safe halloween spooky safe wash your hands find some costume that involves a sexy i just i feel really sad that this is a halloween that's on a saturday and this is probably mine and hannah's last opportunity to be drunken twats on halloween Please, if you are getting dressed up, we want to see your costumes because that's really exciting. And if you have found a creative way to work a mask into your costume, even better, please show me. Stay safe, stay spoopy. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. If you have any spooky, sexy book recommendations, we definitely want them just for our own lives, but also for next October. If you have had sex with a ghost, let me know. Please DM me personally. Like Kesha. Kesha's had sex with a ghost. Kesha had sex with a ghost, yeah. Which really surprises me because my assumption was always that people who had sex with ghosts just didn't want to admit to having had sex dreams. Yeah. But Kesha would definitely tell I you if she had sex dreams. So I, I think she really did have sex with a ghost. Do you think that Kesha is known as being a party animal and if you're on certain drugs... Maybe. Could it be a hallucination? If you're Kesha and you're listening to this, please let us know because... <laughs> we just want to know. We just want to know what happened. just want to know. And I hope you will join us all next time. Yeah. In a couple of weeks when we're reading something, something else. else. Happy Samhain, everyone. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Ooh, bye. A big thank you to Bobby Bates for doing all of our artwork and our logo and everything, to Bethany Southworth for our jingle, and the other incidental music is from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech, the king of royalty-free jams and saviour of media-studies students the world over.